Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. The scriptures and the propers that we have today for the 21st Sunday after Trinity are a little strange when you look at them all together. I'll start with the gospel, which generally gives its theme to any particular mass. This story is of Jesus uh, in context, having just left Samaria, where he had met the woman at the well and told her all that she had ever done. And she goes in to tell the whole city about Jesus, and they come out and uh, they believed at first uh, the woman's testimony. It was pretty, pretty wild. But then after hearing Jesus teach them, they all believed. They told her, we believe in him now, not just because of your testimony, but because we've heard him ourselves." So all this happens in Samaria. Jesus leaves Samaria. Um, he's passing from Judea in the south up through Samaria and then into Galilee, the region where he was traditionally from. Nazareth is where he was born and raised, but he also spent a lot of time in Capernaum. In this story, he is now at Cana, where he did his first miracle. At the end of the gospel, we hear St. John say this again is the second sign that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. Um, the first, of course, being the turning water into wine at the wedding. And so we're not told why Jesus goes back to Cana, uh, what business he has there, what he's up to. But um, some of the fathers suspect that he's going to confirm them in their faith in him because they had believed in him initially only through the sign, the wonder that he did. But he had just come out of Samaria, the place with all these hybrid people who are kind of half Jewish, but also half Gentile in their lineage and also their practice isn't quite right. Jesus tells the Samaritan woman, you know, you don't, you Samaritans don't know uh, how to worship properly. We Jews do. You're doing it wrong. But don't worry, there will be a time when you will neither worship on your mountain nor at the temple in Jerusalem. But the Samaritans, these half-breeds, the, the people that the Jews love to despise, which is why the Good Samaritan parable that Jesus told was so frustrating, they all believed him just at his word, just teaching. They had faith in Jesus and believed that he was the Messiah, the one, the savior of the world, they called him. So he goes to Cana, um, maybe to confirm them in the same kind of faith through his teaching, through his word, not just through a miracle. But as he's trying to uh, plausibly confirm them in their faith through his teaching, here comes someone from where? His hometown, basically, the, the, the town where he spent all of his time in Capernaum, asking him to come back with him to Capernaum, from Cana up to Capernaum, in order to heal his son. Now, all of this background, all of this context gives a little more um, reason for why Jesus answers the man the way that he does. If you pick up in the story as it is, without all that context, you just see a man desperate for his son who's at the point of death to be healed. And what does Jesus tell him? Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Ouch, like what a strange, what a strange thing to say to a man just trying to get his, his son healed. 
But then the man answers again, uh, come with me, please. Just come with me to my house. What we see in this man, I think uh, St. John is painting a picture of a man whose faith in Christ is not perfect. It is not a full faith in the uh, role of Jesus as the Savior of the world, as the Samaritans seem to be confirmed just through the teaching of Jesus. This man didn't believe in Jesus' role as the Savior of the whole world because he needed to see Jesus' work to prove it. Now, Jesus does say to him, go, your son is healed, and the man believes him. So he has some faith. I mean, he made his way all the way to uh, Cana to find Jesus in the hope, assumingly, that there was, he had enough faith that Jesus could, could do this thing. But he didn't have a perfect faith. He didn't have the kind of faith that the Samaritans seemed to be able to have in Jesus. And so as Jesus is trying to confirm the Canaanite, uh, is, is that, no, those dwelling in Cana, um, that he is indeed the savior of the world, though they had seen a sign, now he's going to be there teaching them and proving it through the truth of his words. Here comes a man who, disbelieving in the truth of Jesus' words, needs to see a sign. He needs to see it himself. He needs Jesus to come all the way with him and do it. So Jesus corrects him and sends him on his way. But even as the man is going back to Capernaum, his servants come and meet him and say, your son is healed. Now, if he had fully believed Jesus' word, if he had fully believed that Jesus could heal his son just through his spoken word, he would have said, I know, <laughs> I know. I talked to Jesus and he said, go, your son's healed. There would have been no surprise. But instead, he inquires of his servants, when did he get better? When did the fever leave him? They say at the seventh hour yesterday, and he knew that that was the exact moment, the hour that Jesus had spoken the word. It was then that St. John tells us he was confirmed in his faith and his whole household with him. So I think this gospel story is telling us something about faith, especially when we are uh, struggling with a difficult circumstance. If you read a little ahead in the bulletin, you'll see that our offertory proper references Job, a man perfect and upright and fearing God. And yet this man has Satan tempt him and uh, have power over all this man's possessions and even over his flesh, and he destroys all of his substance and his sons, and he smote his flesh with sore boils. What a bizarre verse to sing as we are offering our gifts on the altar. What's the point of this, and how does this tie in with the story from the gospel? Well, in both we see men who are trying to understand what's happening and trying to pull God into their circumstance so that God can fix it, heal the things that have gone wrong. We see in the man, uh, the nobleman from Capernaum, that he's trying to bring God in the person of Jesus to his circumstance, drag him to where the hurt and the pain is, pull him down. He says, come down with me. He says it twice, come down with me and just see, see what I'm going through, see what's happening to my son, see this injustice. And if you know the story of Job, uh, Job has no context for what's happening to him. He just knows that everything is going wrong. 
He loses all the substance, then he loses his family, and then he loses the integrity of his own body. And all of the Job's comforters, that's where we get the phrase, these people who come and offer really bad advice, um, he waves away. And he, sitting in his own wretchedness, says, if I could just talk to God, if I could see him face to face, if I could pull him down from where he is, wherever God is, the God who, you know, uh, you know, causes earthquakes and walks on the water. And if I could just pull him down to where I am and reason with him, surely, surely God would see that my cause is just. Now, in the story of Job, God does condescend to Job. He speaks from out of a whirlwind. So it's not like he comes in and speaks face to face like Job was wanting in a gentle way. God speaks from a whirlwind, demonstrating his power. And he goes on this tirade asking Job, where were you when the world was created, when the foundations of the earth were laid? Can you uh, wrestle the giant beasts of the earth and the sea and, and tame them? Like, Do you know how any of the cosmos is structured or built? What is your knowledge? Tell me, where were you? And uh, sufficiently humbled, Job says, I, I know nothing of this, Lord. Everything is in your hands. And God restores to Job his uh, health, his substance, and gives him a family to carry on his line. In the story also, in the gospel today, Jesus does um, condescend and, and heals the man's son, but not without doing kind of what God did to Job and uh, rebuking him somewhat. The point of both, I think, being both God talking to Job and Jesus rebuking this man, what, what you're seeking for is truth. What you are looking for is restoration and righteousness. But what I'm asking of you is faith. Job didn't know the context of why the things happened to him. But if he had had faith all the while that God was perfectly good, and didn't need to reason with him, didn't need to call God down into the circumstance and, and present his case as if God needed to be convinced of the righteousness of Job. And if this man had just gone to Jesus and with faith believed him at his word, um, both of them would have been the better for it. Now God, again, condescends both times. It's not that God isn't good, and it's not that God doesn't understand when we are in confusion and don't get it. He doesn't, he doesn't blame us for our um, desire to have him come and meet us and see us where we are. It's, it's, the, it's the comfort that we desire. It's when, you know, when we were first hurt as you know, kids falling off our bikes and bruising our knees and we're crying, we, of course, we want our knees to feel better, but we also just really want our mom or our dad to come and wrap their arms around us and give us comfort and tell us, it's okay, I'm right here with you. I, I assure you, I'm here with you. It's not a bad desire. But in this world, we are called to walk in faith. When we don't have the benefit of that comfort, we're called to persevere. And in case we ever doubt ourselves, God's goodness, in case Job's example isn't enough for us, or in case what Jesus did for this man isn't enough for us. There's more. There's more that Jesus does for us in the gospel. 
he becomes Job. He becomes the man. He climbs upon the cross and says in the words of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He takes Job's complaint and this man's, and he says, you know, where are you, God? Where are you? Have you turned your back on me? Have you, he, he speaks the human words. He feels the, the desire and the need and the want for the comfort of God, the justification, the presence. And on the cross, we see God naked and alone, just as Job had been. And then what does he do? After assuming our flesh and letting all of our anger and rage through the people of Judea, through the leaders of Rome, and through the the power of the evil spirits, the devil and his angels, exhaust all of their evil on him, on the cross. He then goes even farther. His soul reaches down into the very depths of Sheol, to the pit of hell itself, and lifts us up. He does come down. Job wanted God to come down. This man wanted Jesus to come down. And at his crucifixion and death, Jesus comes down to where the deepest any of us could ever go. And he lifts us up. So today, we, our nature, our souls, our bodies have already been lifted up by God. We are never going to be alone, even if we feel like it, and even when it feels like we desperately want God to come down to wherever our pain and our need is. If we don't sense or feel him there, have faith. Have faith. Believe. All of the things that uh, St. Paul in our epistle today notes, um, love this man had for his son, Uprightness and righteousness, Job certainly had. But what does St. Paul say, above all have? Above all, arm yourself with the shield of faith. Of all the armor of God, the whole armor of God, St. Paul tells us, above all, make sure that you take up the shield of faith because it will extinguish all those fiery darts of doubt and temptation and confusion. That's what our gospel our propers are admonishing us to take with us today. Through the sacrament, let us be strengthened in that faith and take with us that shield out into the world and not be Job's comforters, but be faithful like the Samaritans in the story. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.